Speaking English fluently is one of the most important business skills you can master if you want to grow your business globally. There is a new tool that can make you sound like a million dollars. This app uses artificial intelligence to help your pronunciation and speaking of English. We're going to put every word about Fluency AI under the microscope in this month's Screaming Box podcast. Please like our podcast and subscribe to our channel to get notified when next month's podcast is released. In this podcast, I, Dave Erickson, and my co-host, Botan Sedesh, are going to try to understand language fluency with our guest, Ido Cohen, CEO of Fluento.ai. Leading up to the founding of Fluento.ai, Ido was Vice President of Products for Dream Data and after working for Permitive and Microsoft on product development. He is also a mentor on Plateau helping professionals at different levels build their careers and helping them focus on collaboration, prioritization, roadmap building vision, and leadership skills. IDO's latest product is Fluencio.ai, which is here to assist you throughout your language and your English fluency journey. It creates a similar learning situation as if you were in an English class. So IDO, did, is there anything you want to add to this? That's good. Yeah. All right. Well. Can you first kind of give us a rundown of Fluencio AI? How does it help people to become more fluent in English? Yeah. Um, so Fluencio is here to focus, first of all, on your fluency and confidence. So everything we do is here to build you build better conversational skills. So we don't do any grammar or exercises that you can get for free somewhere else. And we do that by combining um, the latest tech and the best methodology that's available out there. Um, one way I'd like to explain it to, I guess, t talk about it is that it really, it mimics uh, immersion. Immersion is like throwing you in, in a country where English is spoken and letting you um, try to um, adapt to the environment in a simple way, probably a better way to explain that. Um, but anyway, um, Fluento, the way Fluento works in, in simple words is, is using AI to mimic real-life situations, like, for example, getting you to get a cup of coffee at a restaurant or something that's more complex, like going through a job interview. And the way we do that is by um, pairing up two learners from different parts of the world together in, into this immersion-like environment. It's essentially a one-to-one -one video session where you get to role-play uh, through practice. And then we use AI to mimic a teacher that is there to help you maintain the flow of the conversation. We do that with uh, suggestions of what to say, tips on, on things that you might have, you might struggle with. But also after every conversation, we uh, analyze the entire speech and then give you an idea of where you're going right and of course what you need to do to improve. So I feel like this is a uh, this is a topic especially near and dear to my heart. I mean. Uh, I do, if you don't mind, I'm going to uh, start off by sharing my super secret strategy for learning okay. uh, fluent English, and that is to watch everything in English with the subtitles on. That way <laughs> you learn both the pronunciation and the grammar. And that has been the one thing that uh, 
the singular thing that has helped me <laughs> achieve fluency. I mean, everything else, uh, sure, teachers were great and all that. Uh, but to, to truly expand your vocabulary, you are going to need exercises. And uh, the one thing that I feel is, uh, as you said, immersion is truly a huge uh, jump from just watching movies with subtitles, because that's when you have to think on your feet and <laughs> compose sentences on the go, uh, which is uh, honestly the most difficult part. And just leaving out, out all those ums and ahs that uh, especially new learners tend to lean on quite heavily. And I, I do wonder, how, uh, how do you come up with this idea to assist new learners with both pairing them up, but also how does AI come into the picture? Because I kind of feel like that uh, putting two people in a virtual room and giving them an exercise is already a great idea. So, Thanks. Um, well, thanks for sharing your experience. It's connected with what we're doing in, in many ways. It's first the, the idea of mimicking, right? And secondly, it's the it's immersing yourself in this, in your case probably immersing yourself in a in a movie right or a show i spent five years um in a school called berlitz which is a language learning school with a bunch of uh locations around the world and two things i've learned from it is well first a language now i speak turkish because I, I spent those five years in turkey but the second one is how how to teach english from day one how to how to get you to speak in, 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 in less than an hour. Perhaps not about uh, politics, but perhaps it's just introducing yourself or getting something at a restaurant, but how to make it super, super practical. Um, and I haven't really invented this or anything like that. It's just that I, I thought, well, you know, when you're building something that you, you want, when you're building something new, a lot of the apps that you see out, out there are apps that build something that already exists in real life, but just better. So if you think about Revolut, maybe it's a, it's a banking application. Um, they, they haven't invented banking. They haven't invented um, wiring money across uh, countries, but they have made it a lot cheaper and better and faster and more accessible. And that's kind of like where, what guided me when I started Fluento. It's about thinking about um, elements or methodologies in class that are super, super effective, but also super, super fun. Um, and five years of doing this taught me that I'm not there to replace anyone else in class except the teacher. I'm there to enable conversations. I'm, I'm there to help people boost their confidence and then kind of leverage on what they do to help them get better. Obviously, there's a target behind, but the, the entire point is not necessarily speaking to me as a native speaker, but it's also getting you to actually make most of the conversation. And that's where Fluento guided me. But um, and so that's kind of like how I thought about Fluento when I started it, and, and this is what works. Um, we think about role-playing in class is a, is a great example of, of this methodology. Uh, it's about getting you to go and execute something that you might do in real life, like a job interview, and letting you try and achieve it and boost your confidence. And of course, after or along the way, like a teacher, help you when you're stuck or help you help you pay attention to the errors that you're making in a way that's, uh, that's not only good, but also digestible. Um, translate this into what the AA does, and this is it, right? We're not here to replace 
um, the speaker that you're, you're talking to with AI, which I know a lot of companies are trying to do. What, what we're doing is actually more assistive. The AI is there to listen to everything you do uh, to begin with, which is great because it can pick up on the tiniest mistakes that you're making better than any, any teacher. It's also there to remember these things better than any other teacher on one side. And on the other side is really think about what's going to be valuable at each uh, given time. So, for example, think about a moment where you're, you're trying to start a conversation with someone that you probably don't know. You have the idea, you're, you're there in the back of your mind. Most people, at least most learners I, I know, would try to make that sentence in the back of their mind and then try to translate it over to English and along the way they, they get stuck because it's too complex. And you can click a button on uh, Fluento and it will analyze the context and then complete your sentence so that you can maintain the flow. Um, other ways are, well, listening into previous conversations you've made and pick up on errors that you're making, you know, to help you try and apply them. So you went into vocabulary, right? Memorizing vocabulary is, is not as easy as people think. I mean, I see a lot of people, for example, trying no, it's to like words a day. What is it? <laughs> it's also completely pointless. Like without context, vocabulary doesn't exactly. mean anything. That's, exactly. that's a big roadblock for first time learners. Exactly. And I see, I remember seeing a lot of students say, preparing for tests like the TOEFL, which is an English proficiency test. And the requirements there is that they actually tell you you need to memorize 500 words or something ridiculous. The reality of it is that you can't memorize that many words in a short amount of time. And like you said, what's really important is to apply those words. So the AI actually picks up, picks up on these words and let you... Uh, applies them in the right context or the right conversation. So that's one way, right? Real time. And the other one is, well, after you've had the conversation, try your best. And what, what do we do? How do we help you, first of all, understand whether you're going well? And then the second one is, what do you do to improve? And this is where we pick up on anything that um, learning a language come with, from grammar to pronunciation to your pace to your sense of confidence to... What else is there? Obviously your fluency and then tell you, first of all, where you're going right, which is really important. It's the, for us the idea of telling you, are you able to actually go and order that cup of coffee, the, regardless of your grammar? And of course, then what do you need to do to sound a little bit better? What do you need to do to sound like Brad Pitt? Um, <laughs> on set. Well, I mean, I think that's a noble goal, but uh, I feel like we glossed over part of uh, what is really a genius idea on your part. And uh, as you said, one of the most effective exercises in the classroom is to get two people to role play different situations. But at the same time, if yeah. we are looking at the entire class, it is one of the least effective tools because like two people are talking and 30 are listening. And yes. that's, I think that is absolutely genius to just take those two people and take all the other 30 listeners out of the equation. You well, thanks for the genius. I I stay humble. I guess I think the reality behind it is that I see obviously groups, right? Products where you have a group of people and it's exciting and and sounds like it's great. But then you have different kinds of people. Some of them are shy and some of them are more you know outspoken, and that's where you get this imbalance in terms of like 
people who are being able to listen or not. And if, you're, if your goal is to be able to speak, then you want to get to a point where the conversation is about 50% listening, 50% speaking on average. And that's where you need a one-to-one environment so that it's safe and you're allowed to, you're allowed to actually feel under pressure to speak, which is another point that I can add on later. Right. Uh, one of the things that uh, is absolutely baffling to me is uh, how good AI is getting at speech recognitions these past years. Because uh, five years ago, I had trouble asking uh, Siri for anything. Like <laughs> I asked, like, hey, I want to watch this movie. And uh, Siri would be like, okay, fly to New York. <laughs> okay. That, uh, that's not an example of a language recognition gone wrong, but uh, <laughs> something else. Anyways, it, I distinctly remember uh, AI used to have so many problems with uh, recognizing complex sentences and even just uh, understanding what I'm trying to say. And not necessarily because my pronunciation was terrible at the time, but uh, I see Irish people have this problem a lot. <laughs> they even joke about it a lot. Like, I don't know if you saw that skit when <laughs> two Irish guys are trying to control the new voice-activated elevator. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, not oh, yet. That's... I mean, the funny thing is that my partner is Irish and she's struggling with Siri as well. So I know I can see this on oh, yeah. every day where I have to translate <laughs> stuff for her. No offense to Irish people, obviously, this is also in real life. But um, um, uh, I mean, when I moved to, to the UK, um, my partner introduced me to her parents, Northern Irish, really, really nice people. Um, I used to sit uh, in dinners with them and they used to speak to me and my partner had to translate everything. I did not understand a single word. Um, so not only Siri, but on the, like on the Siri side, um, Let's break it down into three, I guess, three areas. One is what's on Siri, um, and the other is um, understanding sentences, and the third one is speech to text. Is it two separate, three separate areas? Why? Because Siri and Alexa today still struggle with that sort of stuff, and that's because I assume I, I have I don't work for Amazon, but I assume it's really about in investing in the right technology that is super super expensive. Um, and that means diving into uh, different use cases and developing the AI that sits behind it. Um, and at the same time, there is all, I mean, AI speech to text has been developing really, really fast, especially in recently for obvious reasons as AI, generative AI is picking up and the level of uh, understanding is, is, is very, very high at this, at this point. It's not 100%. Specifically, when it comes to non-native speakers, it's still hard. And um, this is part of the tech that we're building as well. It's about training our machine models to pick up on these accents. But even at a, a certain level, with APIs that exist out there, it is possible. Um, so that's one. Text, understanding text is a different story. And that um, today, I mean, a good example for this is GPT. You can, you can say anything to GPT, even if your English is broken uh, or you type too fast and your words are not uh, really words, and it would still understand you to a very high degree. Um, so that's developing really, really fast. Um, the last one is, uh, so we talked about Siri, we talked about uh, GPT, and then the third element is what we're doing. 
um, which is, a, I think, a combination of, of all of those things. We need, the way we work is that we, the way Fluenta works is that it breaks down those, those, uh, those technology into the, the separate areas. Right? Improving on, t- on speech, detect- speech detects is one thing. Um, understanding the text is a second thing. And of course, what to do with it is a, is a third thing. Thing. And they could develop at the same time uh, and improve and still provide um, high value. Yeah, I think on the uh, you know uh, on the Alexa thing, I think part of it is also they're trying to stick. You know, they they're working with a small hardware platform that's trying to do a lot of things. So that, that's part of the processing power. Um, I think that uh, the text or the the word you know vocal to to AI to understand speakers and what they're actually saying. I think that integrating the AI to detect when somebody says a word incorrectly or they say it with such an accent that it's not that understandable uh, is a really big thing in your app because that's how you provide correction for people. I, I know that uh, I was learning a second language uh, actually Hungarian, and I'm kind of tone deaf, and they have vowels that are high vowels and low vowels, and for me, I can't tell the difference when I'm hearing them or when I'm saying them. So I was missaying words all the time, and I wanted to say something like, you know, dog, and it would come out very different sometimes because I didn't put the accents on the right vowels. So that that's probably an important aspect of what the AI is doing in Fluento. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, it's you're, I think you're spot on. It's a difficult thing to, to understand it, and it's obviously um, a big thing for for learners as well, um, because it, no one no one well, it's it's very hard for them to get access to a, a a platform or a person that can actually help them understand that that as a trend. So, for example, many of our users don't don't know how to how to pronounce the the combination of T and H. They pronounce it in different ways. D T. Um, they don't put Z. Um, there's lots of ways to pronounce it, and it, it's hard for them to understand that because the feedback that they get from different people is is uh, is not in a way that's a, that's uh, digestible. It it may be you have a problem pronouncing this word, but um, but but they don't understand that this is a trend, for example. So like on Fluenza, it's not only about picking up those accents, it's also about showing you the, the pronunciation feedback in a way that goes, you know what, I have a problem with TH across the class, across my, um, across, across different words, and that's just something I need to work on. Uh, so there's like two, I guess, two sides to this uh, coin. Yeah, the other one is also emotional. The AI kind of takes the emotion out. I was, I had, I struggled when I was learning Hungarian because the, yeah. the teachers that I had were humans and empathetic, and so I'd say something and it wasn't said correctly, but they understood it, so they wouldn't correct me, right? Correct. Whereas the AI yes. is doesn't have that kind of sympathy or emotion. Uh, if you say it wrong, you say it wrong, and therefore the AI is going to say you said it wrong. Correct. Well, this is yes and no. I mean, yes is hmm. that's not the, that's that's a that's a that's how I see platforms acting today. So, for example, if you're in the most popular uh, language app to here, 
a lot of what they do is a hundred is is I guess um, judging you based on whether you whether you're doing a hundred percent correct or not. So you have an exercise that you need to do, right? Some type of word or type of sen- uh, make a sentence, and it has to be a hundred percent correct for you for the app to tell you. Let's go to the next exercise. The problem with this is exactly like you said, is that in the real life, if you go and you know try to order a cup of tea at a restaurant, you can order a cup of tea with 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 grammar that's broken, right? You can say, "Hey, I'd like a cup of tea, please," or you can say "tea like a caveman." All of them are fine, um, and so that's not all really. It's not realistic, but also um, breaks your confidence because you. You're thinking in black and white terms, if it makes sense. Fluento d- tries to do the opposite. It tries to assess the context of things, first of all, and tell you, you know, you may have had a few mistakes there, but first of all, you're able to get a cup of coffee, which is the most important thing. Why? Because this is really the, the, the bottom. This is the reason why people are learning a language. But also, it's confidence boosting, because you come out of it thinking, oh, my God, I can do this. It's fine, you know. Um, and in order to do that, we're building machine learning models that um, pick up on, on speech patterns rather than thinking about the way maybe apps like Grammarly are doing it, which is more you know, about making sure that your sentences are, are fully perfect. There's a different way to do it. And part of it is picking up on these things that you're talking about. Right? You're making that mistakes, but I can still get what you're saying. Maybe I can suggest a different word or a different ways to stress it or whatever works, uh, depending on the context. So I think this was a great intro to a topic that we'd like to touch on, is uh, how does Fluento actually measure fluency or proficiency or whatever other metric that it has? Um, well, it's still in, I guess it's still in, in development. Um, but there's, there's different elements that we're thinking about. Uh, starting from your ability to achieve a goal, which is, I think, the most important thing. Right? Um, your level of fluency will change and your score will change depending, obviously, on what you're trying to achieve and your level of English. Right? So, you know, ordering a cup of tea is very different from going to have a job interview and that will affect the score. Uh, so it's your ability to function or, or achieve a goal depending on the complexity. But there's other things that are um, feed into this, from your grammar to your vocabulary, uh, so things that are like more sem- uh, semantics, and on top of it, things that would, I guess, uh, show fluent that you're building confidence. So that's from, you know, how fast you're speaking, to how many pauses you're making along the conversation, your intonation. So are you do you sound robotic or? You go up and down and sing it. Do you sound like you're confident? Um, the, the, your ability to make sentences that are shorter but coherent, depending, obviously, on, on what you're saying. Your, con- your vocabulary that you're using in context. So, for example, you're going through a job, uh, job engineering uh, interview. Engineering, engineering job interview, sorry. Um, are you using words? that are applicable in context, or are you going around it to try and explain it? Things that would make us, as a, as a teacher, believe that you're fluent and things that would obviously, that things that we translated into how the AI analyzes your speech. Right, so speaking of uh, specifically reaching a given goal, 
should we imagine it like uh, kind of a double blind test? Like uh, one person would get the task, uh, order a coffee, and the other person would get the task, uh, you are a, uh, I don't know, <laughs> what do you call uh, a cashier at uh, Starbucks? Okay. And then you have to write down like what you think the other person ordered. Ah, it's a bit more um, advanced actually. So I'm not oh, showing nice. off. But um, so let's start with the goal. So the way we determine what the, your goal is depends on what you want to achieve in real life. So if you're a person that wants to immigrate to a new country, well, we have a set of missions that uh, are relevant to moving to a new country. If it's about getting a different job, then there's different sets of missions. We can actually get very, very specific. So, for example, if you work for a hotel and you're in guest services and the hotel, um, the manager of the hotel wants you to be very good at helping guests and you have missions that are specifically written for this. Um, and the way we let learners practice them is that we create, like you said, different roles for each learner, usually contradicting. So um, let's say, let's take a simple one, uh, ordering a cup of tea at a restaurant again. One of you is going to be a customer, the other one is going to be the uh, waiter. But we'll, into the mission, we'll also write goals that would generate some sort of a conflict so that the process of negotiation is not a linear, hey, would I like, I would like a cup of coffee, 10 pounds, please, good luck. It's, a, it's, it's there to, to continue the conversation, trying to, trying to put you in positions where you probably experience right, it. So, for example, one person could get you on a pay by cash and the waiter could get uh, you can only accept exactly. cards. What do you right. do then? That's cool. Um, we also support, right? So we're not throwing you into the water without giving you the tools to float. So um, we'll give you phrases and vocabulary along the way. and. Um, break down the higher level goals into milestones that you can achieve so that you understand really what you need to do and go along with it. Um, the AI detects what you're saying. So when you achieve a goal, it will tick and go, ding, you achieve that milestone, go on to the next one. In fact, again, if you're stuck, you can hit the button, it will tell you what to say, and then you can say it in the way the AI suggests, or you can do it your own way, it doesn't matter, the AI will still pick it up and be able to understand whether you're achieving that goal. So like how, do, how do partners get assigned? Is it like a chat roulette or uh, is it more like, uh, hey, I want to work with this guy because he's uh, sympathetic or whatever? Chat roulette is probably a good way to, it's a bit smarter than chat roulette, but it's a good uh, way. Um, what we do is we use smart criteria to match people. So it would be um, understanding their level, understanding their goals, understanding their native language. Um, are there any interests that the AI picks up on? So that we, we make sure that the two learners are, you know, they're, they're going to get along. They're going to be friends. This is what we want to, to achieve. Right now, because we have a small number of users, relatively, and we let users tell us when they're going to be available. So they submit their availability a week in advance. And then on Sunday, we run this smart matching process and then picks up on all of the availability and then lets you know when the next meeting is. We've also started now with kind of chat roulette. So there's real time in some 
sometime, some days where you just click a button and it will pick, it will search for someone who is available at the same time and then immediately match you with them. Um, at some point of time, we estimate at around 5,000 users that that is going to be available all the time. So you'll be able to click a button and get matched with someone immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. So can, um, can we customize the app to focus on some specific aspects? Like, uh, let's say I want to expand my vocabulary or I want to sell more posh or I just uh, want to sound more confident. So can I just tell the app like, hey, I want to be this? I mean, you can customize it into the level of saying, I want to be confident in a specific area. Like a lot of our users are there to build confidence around engineering. Um, and so you can do that and the missions you get are engineering specific. However, that's what we're building in the future. So you'd be able to tell us specifically what you want and see what's relevant to you. So would you like to uh, expand on that a bit? Like, uh, yeah. when you say that users want to gain more confidence on engineering, does it mean specifically like IT engineering or just uh, in general, like learning technical terms or just uh, business communication? Uh, are they trying to learn uh, how to say, I, instead of, I think this is bad, uh, they could say, I see this is an absolute win. It's an improvement for opportunity. Spot on. I love that, right? It's positive oh, encouragement, right? It's not telling you what's wrong. It's telling you what to do better next time. Um, it's, it's interesting right now, but I think it's because this is, we found most of our users on, uh, on Reddit um, that most of our users are software engineers at different levels and um, expertise. Yep. Reddit is the dwelling place of software engineers, for sure. It is. This is why. I, I mean, I remember thinking about this with a, my co-founder for a little bit and going, like, How, why is everyone software engineers? But now we know that. Um, so it's, it's just because of the channel. Um, and so, yes, most of them are, well, they, I, I could break them down into different use cases. Some are there to get the next interview and they want to be able to speak about what they know and what they don't know and their expertise. Some are there to perform better. So they already have the jobs when it comes to speaking to um, people ac across different countries or uh, different teams, they obviously have to speak English and they feel super shy uh, when it comes to expressing themselves out and, and sharing ideas. And they need to feel you know, more confident. And some are there to, well, try to get the next job and they're building it up. It's not like happening tomorrow, so they don't have a deadline, but they know where they're aiming uh, for or the company that they want for, to work for. And when that happens, again, all of these use cases are interesting because we are able to generate specific missions depending on what they think is going to happen or better, they come back in the community and go, oh my God, I had this conversation with this team in, in America I had so many ideas I couldn't say anything, and then we actually work out work, work with them to understand what that is and build specific missions that will help them make the next conversation much much more better. Um, and the, the first thing that comes out, don't know if you're going to ask that, but it's the confidence. Fluento will boost your confidence really really fast. Why? Because unlike apps where you can decide when to practice. 
you can obviously decide on fluent to when you want to practice, but when you are in practice, you're being put under this pressure to speak and deliver right now. There's no way to come out of it, in a way. Um, and you might feel extremely shy at the beginning, like a lot of our users are saying, but when you come out of it, you'll go, oh my God, I did this. And then your confidence will go really, really up. And because of the social interaction, you get a lot of it. So if I understand this correctly, you can kind of set up Fluentu to be like your uh, daily stand-up after work. It's a daily stand-up where no one is judging you on whether you've delivered or not. You're not talking to your boss, boss so there's no, you know, you know, there's less, I mean, less anxiety involved, I think. And it's fun. It's fun. You're talking to people who, you know, you might share a lot with. In fact, some of our people have developed relationships, so... One of the issues I had with learning a second language was that yeah. the only people I could actually practice the language with happened to be yeah. high schoolers. And as a result, the language that I learned was very slangy, right? Uh, because they they spoke in, in a very slangy form of language. So I was just learning and as I was developing conversation, I was doing it with high schoolers. So my language was all slang. I didn't know that because as a foreigner, I, I couldn't really tell it was slang. They would just say, say it this way. And I would say it that way. And that was very slangy. And so when I started going into business meetings, speaking this language, I would, you know, in, in Hungarian, there's a very formal Hungarian, and then there's informal. I was speaking even one step below informal, which was slangy informal, uh, to these people who want were expecting to hear a very formal language. So it was quite hysterical um, on many occasions. Um, but uh, with Fluento, that that's one of the questions: is can you adjust or have it help you with slang? Because sometimes people do want to add slang to add color to something or they want to understand how to use slang correctly. How does Fluento approach that? That's a really good one. It's it's funny that you're mentioning this because that's the way I learned Turkish. I learned Turkish. Fluento did not exist at the time, so I learned it on the street. It's I was a teacher with books and I did not open a single page. I just learned it on the street and now when I speak to Turks, they go, are you... Are you Turkish? Are your parents Turkish or anything like that? Um, and I'm not. It's just because of the way I speak. I think that in Turkey, there's less formality, so people do enjoy the fact that the, um, a non-native speaker knows all of these words and phrases. We don't have that yet, is the honest. Uh, we use, obviously, slang or, or you know, terminology when it comes to conversations. Like, for example, whatever the terminology is for software engineering. Uh, we don't have classes specifically that are designed yet to um, to to build that sort of a language. It's an interesting concept, though, because I do think that at some point this is what people might want to do, and then we'll help we'll help them achieve it. The foundations though already exist, um, so a good example for that would be the fact that we. Hmm. Some some of the feedback that we give users is how to how to sound a bit more natural. So an example of that would be users or learners, I guess, trying to say things 
maybe forgetting a word or maybe using a word that they've learned in the dictionary. And it, you, in many cases, the word is technically correct, but it just doesn't sound right in the context. So, for example, the language is super, super informal, and suddenly they found a word that's super formal, and it sounds like a little bit like Tourette, <laughs> because it just doesn't fit. Um, and what Fluento does is pick, pick up on that and say, hey, this was great, but the next time you're trying to talk about this, use this word. And that's depending on what you're trying to achieve. Is it a software engineering or is it a cup of coffee? Um, and of course, that means that the, your um, level of formality changes. And that's where using slang might, uh, you know, might be a really good use case. Because yeah, ordering coffee might be more formal than software right. engineering. What users do right, is that they do tell us uh, whether they'd like to sound a little bit more formal or informal or whether they'd like to sound a bit... It's funny, some of them want to sound more British and then we adapt the, the feedback based on that. Oh yeah, that, that's a thing. It is a thing, uh, it's not big. Did, 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 oh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people I see want to sound more Aussie, for example. Like that's, that's big. What is it? It's, it's a trend to sound more uh, Australian. It's a big thing. Um, I mean, I'm guessing it is. Um, most of our users, want, <laughs> for some reason, want to sound like the Queen of England. And um, mm. this is the this is the like the the Holy Grail. And uh, I keep saying, no, it's fine. You don't need to sound like that. It's actually, but but we can do that. We can adapt the the feedback depending on where what you'd like to sound. I mean, in the end, people are gonna sound like. Uh, they would. They they are gonna always have an accent. I mean, I've learned English from all sources. Uh, sometimes uh, I pronounce words in uh, the Australian accent. Sometimes in British, mostly in American. Thanks Hollywood, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in in the end, I'm always gonna sound like uh, I'm a Hungarian. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. I I never understood the the quest for. Perfect, immaculate British English. It depends, you know, how you see it. Um, as a native speaker, you, I don't really care, right? I care about other things about your ability to deliver a message. But I mean, I'm, I, I can see how for native speakers, for non-native speakers, it's uh, that's the holy grail. Whatever they decided that they wanted to sound like, and the Queen's English is, I guess, is the best, and this is where you want to be. Um, the reality of it is, I think it's part of it is, is a question of confidence because building, you know, fluency is, is a combination of building your actual language but also feeling confident. You can't have one without the other and being able to speak like that makes you feel like you're confident. What you should probably realize if you're learning English is that it doesn't, yeah, like you said, the accent doesn't matter. Even your grammar isn't the most important thing and the Evidence of that is to look at the people who run Microsoft and Google today. They're not native speakers. They have a f some of, I mean, they both have uh, pretty heavy accents, but they're doing amazing things. And so, the re you know, the reality is that you can get really, really far, even with, uh, with an accent that isn't, uh, isn't native. In fact, I think it gives you character. Speaking of accents, I, I distinctly remember, like, uh, you're both native English speakers, so I'm going to ask you, how do you pronounce uh, the number three? <laughs> three. <laughs> three. 
Right, and uh, I, I distinctly remember that I pronounce it like uh, the plants, like tree, because that's the only way uh, AIs five or ten years ago would understand. As <laughs> I said three, it, it just wouldn't. It, it would never get it hmm. for some reason. We should probably test it on Twento. It just stuck. It's that, it's that TH sound again, right? <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. I mean... If you're Irish, it's probably fine. Uh, but um, the I mean, one of the ways the animal, the uh, the uh, AI picks it up is not just based on how you're saying it. This is for obviously pronunciation, but also the context. If you're saying I have three fingers, it's probably not a tree. It's probably not a plant. That makes sense. Uh, does the app try to mix people of different uh, levels, like? Because I think that could be a great uh, feature, because that happens all the time. <laughs> Fluento, uh, for now at least, doesn't really work if you're a zero beginner, simply because we're an early stage startup and we decided to focus on the on what we know how to do best, but also the larger chunk of the market. So, funny enough, most learners are actually not zero beginners. They have some background behind them. Perhaps not speaking, mostly grammar, but they can say their names and ask where you're from. And that's why. Um, we um, also, like, we can touch that in a second, but um, our B2Bs, our, our, the organizations that work with us are not uh, software engineering, or at least not all of them. Uh, actually, there's travel right now. Um, so a couple of hotels and an airport. Um, to begin with, so there's different use cases. However, you asked, hey, can I be matched with somebody who is uh, in a slightly different level? And we've seen that uh, with users asking for it. Of course, it's a complex thing to, to think about because we've, there's too many things that we want to build. Uh, but we, had, 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 we have had cases where the AI had a bug and it matched actually somebody who is slightly uh, better than the, than, the, than the partner and the interaction was really interesting because one of them felt like they wanted to teach the other and teaching is a really great way to, to learn and so that turns out to be a successful uh, like the bug turned it into a successful potential feature and now we're thinking about how to do it in a way that's, uh, that's useful yeah I mean uh, that definitely should be a feature uh, especially because as a non-native speaker I I do realize that uh, based on who I'm talking to, I have to speak different levels of English. So if I go to the uh, Netherlands to a little shop, I'm just going to say, hi, one coffee, please. Or if I go to the UK, I can just uh, go like, hey, how are you? A beautiful day, in it? <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a whole different thing. And uh, even professionally, um, Maybe you have some colleagues who speak quite good English and maybe you have some colleagues who don't. And it requires a whole different vocabulary to communicate with them. Fluento is not just there to help you with language learning. It, obviously the main, uh, the main drive, but it's, it fosters social skills and this is part of it. Something that you can't do yet with an AI developing social skills, adapting your language depending on who you're talking to, just putting yourself out there, um, which I think is super, super cool. 
So does the AI play a role in a, in a generative manner? Does it generate the task, the assignment? Yes, yes, 100%. Uh, it's super, super oh, yes, personal to whatever you want to do. So yes, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's how missions get uh, generated. We have a set of missions that obviously were also generated by AI. Uh, but now we're at the level where you can tell me, hey, I have this job interview tomorrow. Give me some more specific and we'll generate a, a, a scenario uh, that's specifically designed, uh, tailored to what you're trying to do. What type of learning materials are included? So we already spent a great deal about uh, talking about these exercises, but are there any additional learning resources? We, we kind of talked about the fact that everything we do is for to here to try and set you up for success. So the first material is the prep material. It's a set of goals, set of milestones that will help you understand what you need to do in the conversation. And then it's a set of um, phrases, vocabulary, an example of a conversation that will help you understand what it could sound like. Um, and then in the mission itself, there's a set of different cards that you get that will help you stay unfocused on what, uh, where you need to put your attention. It could be your page and it could be a word or um, a uh, type of grammar that we want you to help to focus on. And of course, after the conversation, then there's a set of materials or a set of feedback, I guess, that will help you understand where you're going right and where you need to improve. We're building drills, so that doesn't exist yet in the platform, but let's touch that. It's the idea of, okay, I have a conversation and my next conversation is in a week. What do I do between, in between? And that, those are drills that we're building and that will help you practice in between conversations. And the second one that exists right now is the community. It's about your ability to connect with those people that you either have spoken to or maybe other people um, and continue the conversations with them through the platform. And that helps you, obviously, it's the idea of sharing pain and being supported, but also maintaining the momentum that you already built to continue the conversation. Mm. Suffering is the great fiery crucible in which true relationships are forged. Exactly. I mean, the community is amazing. It's, a, it's extremely active uh, to begin with. Um, and it's like I, as a founder, I'm finding it extremely valuable because I can ask a question. It's the most random question that me and my co-founder has just discussed and type it in and throw it out there and you'll get immediately people saying things in real time uh, and then continue and building that discussion on top of it, which is much further better than a survey that you send out there. Uh, it's a super, super engaging. And I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I love that. But is this me and the founder? I think that's for obviously for for learners. It's really about a lot of it is a lot about building connections and connecting with people, um, on you know to try and solve similar pains. Yes, especially when it comes to software engineering. In this case, right, They're, they are sharing the same things. What are the greatest roadblocks to learning a foreign language? Yes, yeah. finding a teacher, and beyond that, actually paying that teacher. Oh. So, I do. How does uh, Flinto compare? What, what, what makes them roadblockers, in your opinion? Let's address them directly. What makes uh, lack of money a roadblocker? 
<laughs> it's money, you're saying, is it? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's one of the biggest roadblocks. So I I wonder if, uh, in comparison to a teacher, uh, you could get a lot more time out of uh, Fluento. Possibly. Well, okay. Let let's address some of the pains. I think Dave also mentioned, you know, um, someone or a teacher that understands, you know, that the mistake you're making is a is something that AI can't do, and it said something about fun as well. So the, the story behind it is maybe the fact that when I was teaching, actually teaching, um, the company I worked for um, built a set of materials, teaching materials that would ideally make um, all the lessons with any teacher um, at the same level of quality. And the idea behind it was just, just let you build material that would let would allow the teacher to just look at the page and read out whatever the question or the answer is uh, without having to think about it. It's like maintaining high quality at a scale. And I, and on, and I guess in theory, it sounds like a great idea, but the reality is that we discovered that what trans, what you know, what what get what, um, what I want to say, what keeps users engaged is not just the material, but the the experience and the teacher. So a teacher who's boring and doesn't have this, the, the 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 ability to actually get people engaged. It doesn't matter how good the book is; it's not going to work. People Can confirm. Work. Fair enough. Teacher, I, mean, I, I can confirm. You can confirm, right? And a teacher <laughs> like fun and like you know, fast-paced and funny um, can get better results than the best book. Why? Because people are, are look, you know, they're, they're looking forward to to be in the lesson. Um, and so like part of it is is is, a, is something that guides us in building Fluento. What do I mean by that? Well. First is it's uh, it's it, it's making sure like working on a fun, engaging experience. It's for us, it's mimicking immersion. I'm simplifying it, but of course, it's about um, making it making sure it's fast paced, mimicking immersion by getting you like, to to a point where you unless you speak about it, you're not gonna achieve goals. Gamifying it, anything that could make it fun, right? A roller coaster, a roller coaster. But the second part is um, like, how do you actually get a good teacher? And this is where I, I think Fluento excels. It's a, you know, if you wanted to find an English teacher that will teach you how to do software engineering very well, or speak about software engineering, I, I don't know where you can get that. I mean, it, you might, well, I am. Well, I think, I think that's gonna cost like uh, 200 bucks per hour, at least. Ooh, so that's price. But before that, right, it's yeah. your ability to find a teacher that will, be engaging enough and understand whatever you, whatever you want to to learn, and the third element is cost. And like you said, it doesn't matter what you're learning; um, it's going to be expensive, um, especially if you're in a country where English isn't spoken. If you're from Argentina, um, paying a, a teacher about I don't know twenty to forty dollars an hour, it's not it's not achievable. It's not, it's not possible, especially if you want to sustain it for sixty hours or I don't know one hundred twenty hours. What fluent yeah, is that? Same thing in Hungary. Uh, getting teachers for eighty uh, percent of the population is just out of the question. They cannot afford it. You cannot afford it, and there's probably not enough of them anyway, right? Even if you could, there's a billion and a half learners out there, just English, 
There's not a billion and a half high-quality language teachers. No offense to any teacher, right? Um, we just don't have that kind of number. And so Fluento addresses it because, A, we're able to go very, very specific in terms of use case. B, it's engaging and fun, and really all you want to do is, is speak as a learner. You want somebody to guide you, but all you want to do is this practice. And the third element is we use AI. It's not expensive. So Fluento starts at $10, an hour, at $10 a month, so, which gives everyone access to super high-quality language. That's a reasonable price. That's the most reasonable price I've ever heard for learning English in any way. I mean, even Netflix is more expensive. That's that the way I would think. <laughs> Make it a Netflix yeah. price. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm that's not. That's how it should be. We, we've talked a little bit, uh, we've mostly talked about how individuals are using Fluento. You did mention that you're working with some organizations. Maybe you can go yeah. into some use cases of how an organization might use Fluento, uh, because I'm curious about that as well. One, one of the use cases is, is travel related. So a certain air, airport, for example, has a lot of employees who are in, customer fa facing they're interacting with passengers and they need to be able to guide them to the right gate or solve things that are deeper and more complex like visa issues um, or obviously helping them uh, with, with um, instructions or how to, how to get wherever they need to get in, the, in where they flew into. Um, and the, the issue is that, well, most of the, the employees in that, in that airport can't really speak English at a level where they can have conversations. Teaching them is super difficult. Why? Because there's thousands of those employees and there's not enough teachers that they can find in like in a month or a couple of months to teach them all, let alone obviously spend the time to get them to a certain level. Um, so the way Fluento addresses it is, first of all, focusing on the specific use cases, right? We're not talking about cats that sit under the table like in other platforms. None of it is, is, is the theoretical level. It's literally getting into those conversations, those specific use cases and trying you to, getting you to speak about them, right? So I don't know where my gate is. Okay, and then we continue the, 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 the conversation or how do I get to the hotel? So things that are directly, specifically, specific to what you're going to do. That's one. And of course, the second one is scale. You can start right now. We have enough people to, to get them to, to, to start talking. So that's one. Um, the other one is also travel related, but uh, a different use case. It's hotel management or hotel or guest services. Actually, better, better said. Uh, these are people who, again, interact with, uh, with guests. Um, and what we see is that in many hotels that are not uh, based in the U.S. or based, for example, South America, there's a limited amount of people that can actually interact with customers. And whenever it comes to, into conversations that are at a deeper level, uh, complex problems, then the, they, the, the problem it creates is a bottleneck. Right? These passengers, these guests have to wait for the supervisor who speaks really good English uh, to solve the problem. Um, and what hotels want to do is get everyone to be able to speak and interact fast and obviously cheap. And Fluento comes into like comes to save the day by making it affordable and again helping you focus on those specific conversations. 
I assume another use case uh, might be like a call center in the Philippines where they want to improve the quality of, of calls uh, and they train their whole department to get a little bit more fluent in English. Is that a correct use case? Yes. So funny that you're mentioning it, right? That one of our users who introduced us now to own organization is, is someone who works at a call center that addresses technical, uh, technical support. And he, he joined Fluento because he wanted to improve on his performance. And now it's the management that wants to improve on the performance of the team um, and increase the level of satisfa uh, customer satisfaction. What does the future of learning look like? Well, the future of language learning is, first of all, much more practical. I think what I've realized is most learners outside America care less about the theoretical level. They want to get practical right away. They want to be able to speak about whatever that is, introduce themselves, and they don't really care about the grammar. And I think the future of, of language learning or any learning in specific is about getting practical immediately. Um, that's one. The second one is peer-to-peer. It, this seems to be a trend. Uh, everyone thinks this is going to be part of language learning. It's about collaborating uh, with a peer that uh, is trying to do the same thing as you. That's not necessarily just lear language learning, but learning in general. And of course, the most exciting part is AI and how AI comes into place. Um, for, for us, I think it's, first of all, it's the level of accuracy and, and ability, your ability to pick up on any, any details that a human cannot do. But the second question is, I think whether it's VR or AR, not necessarily in a way in a terms of um, learning um, using goggles, but um, it's whether it replaces someone or whether it's assistive. And I think that at least for the next few years, it's it's really about it's a bit about assisting you with your goals rather than replacing the environment. So this is why, for example, VR, I think, is too early. Why? Because it's not good enough. Most people can't actually afford it, but it's just trying to replace something that doesn't have, like Dave said, you know, any human uh, feeling into it. Whereas in assistive technology, you are actually doing the real thing, just an AI that supports you along the way to achieve that better. And you can see this in not just in language learning, but also other apps uh, that do that. Like one of them is called Carve, which is a skiing app with a guy, AI guy that lets you go on the slope and like ski down the slope and helps you along the way with, with, um, with uh, feedback and analysis. I don't know if that was very coherent, to be honest. It's, uh, you put me on the Oh, to totally. I 100% agree. As soon as I asked the question, my mind jumped to VR. It's going to be VR. Like <laughs> One guy is going to have on his head get coffee and the other dude is going to get... Uh, deny coffee at all costs <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be beautiful <laughs> i mean i think vr is kind of far right because if you're talking about a, a language learner that is having trouble uh, um, affording a 10 pound 10 dollar app getting goggles and then the internet that's fast enough to do this and obviously paying for whatever that costs is mission impossible right now no right now but in 10 20 30 years Maybe, but in a few years from now, when the you know when it gets a lot better, when the metaverse actually somebody actually builds it, uh, then perhaps why not? Well, Edu, thank you so much for taking the time to fill us in on Fluento.ai and how it can help everyone speak better English.
for our listeners, please join us the first week of next month for another Screenbox Technology and Business Rundown podcast. And until then, may you always find the right words. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs> <laughs>